Thank you, Paul, and good morning, downtown Pearlside. You look wonderful as usual, but the congregation, and for those of you watching at home, don't look the same because we are missing a lot of people. Um, some, some of you watching at home later in the week or maybe right now live streaming because you're stuck, because maybe you live off of Kalani Ole Highway and you can't get out of your driveway we are praying for you. Some of you, I know I, I heard members that are sick. We are praying for you. But nonetheless, uh, we believe that God has a plan and purpose for every one of us, no matter where we're at. And uh, so we appreciate you tuning in. But uh, appreciate you all for being here. For those of you who are in here in person, especially for those of you who do, do live on the east side of the island and had to figure out how you're going to get here today and, and do some special routes. We got our man, Elliot. I know Julie. Julie told me she parked her car outside somewhere in, in like a secret place, kind of like James Bond. She probably had a secret tunnel that just emerged onto the street and jumped right onto the freeway. So, um, but yeah, thank you for those of you who did have to fight to be here. Uh, we believe God's word is worthy of our time, our energy, our worship, and we glorify him. And uh, whether in person or with all your heart at home, uh, we are grateful for every one of you. We are grateful for God. Because this message, the Word of God, the presence of God, it's all because it comes back down to the love of God. And so this whole series, when we talk about wrapped in love, there are times as a husband where I feel the pressure to have to give a good gift to my wife. You know, because if I don't give a good gift to her, I'm afraid she's going to get mad at me. And that's so, when you break that down at its essence and its core, that's actually selfish, now, I'm not giving a gift to her because I hope that she feels loved, but I'm giving it because I'm trying to earn love, and that's not good. That's not healthy. And so when we talk about being wrapped in love, when God sent his son, Jesus, he didn't do it out of guilt nor obligation. God sent his son out of love, and that's why we are here today to experience God's love. And the great thing, and I love this series, because if, if you haven't been catching it, we've been unwrapping different truths and principles and why Jesus was born here on this earth. And so each week, it's like going on the Oprah show, and of course, this is way beyond, like way better than Oprah, amen? Where like, you know, there's sometimes there are people, they look under their chair, they got car keys, and everyone gets a car, and it's just mind-blowing, well, each week we've been unwrapping what is the significance of Jesus being born. And each week we're getting these spiritual gifts that like a car will rust and break down, but the spiritual truths of God remain and last forever. Amen? And so that's what we're unwrapping today. And today we're unwrapping new life. So we get to experience new life through Jesus. That's why Jesus was here. And uh, there's a very... A profound miracle that happens. You know, first of all, Jesus being born of virgin birth, the divine birth, that's never happened before. And that's what we looked at uh, last week in, in the significance of Jesus being with us and living this life wrapped in human form and flesh. What is the significance of that? If you're wondering, you got to go back and watch last week's sermon. And that's all there on our YouTube page. But this week, how do we unwrap new life? Why did Jesus come here on this earth? And we, he demonstrates that he even has power over death itself and bringing resurrected life, not just to himself when he resurrected from the grave, but even over death 
in other people's life. And so we're, we're going to read right now in John chapter 11, Jesus resurrects a man named Lazarus, who was Jesus's dear friend here on this earth. They had a, a relationship uh, alongside with the two sisters of Lazarus, which may be familiar to you, Mary and Martha. So it's three siblings. Lazarus passes away. He's dead for four days now. And so it's like, what in the world is happening? How can we unwrap new life? Well, I'm glad you asked because Jesus lays it all out for us as we unwrap scripture together. We see these are God's words. In John chapter 11, verse 38, it says, Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Yes, sir. No, she did not. What did she say? She's making an excuse or a reason why they shouldn't take away the dead stone. She says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that I have glade plug-ins? No, he doesn't say that. Okay, this is what Jesus said. Did I not tell you that if you believed, if you believed, if you believed, so when we talk about wrapping, unwrapping new life, that's the question right now that Jesus asked uh, Martha 2,000 years ago. He's asking us right now. He asked Mary 2,000 years ago. He's asking us right now. He asked all those that were around, like, what is Jesus going to do with this dead man? He's asking us right now. Do we believe? And so it says, if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe, again, believe, believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. This is really good. Because if he didn't say, Lazarus, come out, and this was a, a grave, you know, a tomb with other dead people, and if he just said, come out, it would have been like Michael Jackson's thriller video, ding, 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 and then the whole crew would be coming out. It's just a thriller. Thank God, but this is Christmas. This ain't Halloween. Okay, so it's just Lazarus, only you, Lazarus, just what? Sorry, everyone else, I'm talking to Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. No, that's it. <laughs> Maybe next service. Actually, Pastor Norman's got next service. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's go ahead and bow our heads as we receive God's word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your spiritual truth. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is active and living, sharper than any double-edged sword, Lord. And we ask, Lord God, may you, Lord, allow your word to bring in us, Lord God, new life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thing we see here as Jesus demonstrates that he has power over death itself it's actually significant. It's not just Jesus being an amazing physician, Dr. Jesus, finding a way to raise this dead man who has been thoroughly dead. When someone is dead for four days, like 
his sister said, Lazarus' sister said, man, he's stinking, he's not moving, rigor mortis has already set in. That's a long time to be dead. So it's not that Jesus is just demonstrating that he is a great doctor because no doctor can bring back a dead man that's been dead for four days. He's demonstrating that he has power not only over death, but power over sin itself. Because in Scripture, sin and death are actually on equal planes. That what death represents is an eternal separation. And that's why sin is so terrible because it separates us from our relationships. When we sin against each other, we are separated from one another, right? If I lie to you and I lie to you over and over and over again, you're not going to want to be with me anymore. And they're like, oh, but aren't we friends? Don't we love each other? No, you keep betraying my trust. It's broken. So it separates relationship. Same thing, when we sin against our holy God, it's not that God is petty. He's like, oh, you don't want to obey my rules and commands? And he's like, fine, you know, like a, like a salty little kid, and he takes his blessings and he leaves, I'll play by, with someone else. No, when we betray God with sinning, it's because we're saying, God, I don't trust you, and I'd rather go to this sin looking for the fulfillment of whatever it is. We think it's, we're going to find happiness or joy in, in going to a sinful thing, but it really, again, is bringing separation between us and God. So with that being said, when Jesus comes here on this earth and he raises Lazarus from the dead, Jesus is already showing and foreshadowing, I have power over sin itself. And so with that being said, because only Jesus died for our sins, only Jesus has lived this perfect life, only Jesus can give us a new transformed life. Everyone say amen. 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 So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 echoes this sentiment. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so are you in Christ? Because when you're in Christ, he is a new creation. So go ahead and look at your neighbor. I know some of you are really spread out today because we're missing so many people. But look at your neighbor and say, you are a new creation. Speak that in faith. Come on, church. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Praise God. This is good because, you know, other religions, other humanistic philosophies and self-help, you go to Barnes & Noble, you'll see a a ton of self-help books, right? It's just helping improve the old you, but it doesn't really bring out a new you. And, you know, one time um, I remember, it might be TMI, but it's not, I hope not, I bought underwear, okay, and I opened up the packet, and I could tell somebody tried it on before. Man, I was offended. I did not want that anymore. I'm like, take it back. I don't care. You know, I know you're supposed to wash them. I do wash them, by the way. I never wear it, like, straight out of the packet. But even though, um, yes, I, I washed it all anyways, I didn't want it. I took it back. Because if I'm buying something and it's supposed to be new, it better be new, right? And, and like, I know that, again, that might have been a crass example, but anything in life. Like, if you got a gift, it's Christmas time. I know we got some Chinese people in here like me, right? And sometimes you get a gift, you don't want it, you wrap it up again, and you re-gift it, right? And, and you re-gift it to someone, and sometimes they can tell. They can tell it's been re-gifted. It's been passed around like hot potato. No one wants it. But that's not what Jesus does with our lives, 
We can come all broken, all messed up with a spotted past and a spotted history. God doesn't pass us off to say, nope, not you, next. But he takes us just the way we are, and he makes us brand new. Praise God. So what does this brand new look like? What, what's new? What transforms? What's the difference? I'm glad you asked, because Romans chapter 6. By the way, for those of you looking for a chapter in the Bible to read this week, uh, I said it a few weeks ago. I know Ellie and I were like, yeah, we love the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Go ahead and read the whole chapter, please, this week. It is amazing. I love Romans 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 11 says this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism... So this is just like Lazarus physically died. Here it's speaking of a spiritual death here. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So here's this idea, new lives. So what does it look like? Verse 11. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive of alive to God through Christ Jesus. So what does the Christian new life look like? The Christian new life means you are no longer dead to God. You are alive in God. And so what are you dead to? You're dead to sin. And that's why only Jesus can do this. Because everything else, we're just, it's like, it's like we're kind of managing sin in our lives. You know? like pressing holy buttons when we do it without Christ, when we do it without faith, when we do it without the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It's just, it's just human effort. I got to be a better person. I got to be more generous. I got to be more caring. I got to be more loving. And we're, we're forcing these meters and gauges in our life. You know what that leads to? One, either arrogance and religiosity and when you read the New Testament, the, the people that, that really opposed Jesus and the people that Jesus had issues with were the real legalistic religious people named the Pharisees. So when we do it without Christ, not as new creations, but we do it out of the spirit of religion and law, look at how good I am of living holy. Look at how good I am in obeying the word of God. It gives us air of arrogance and we start to look down upon other lesser Christians. That's not what God wants. Or it's this side where it leads to condemnation where we can't. You know, I try to live holy and I'm still stuck in lust. I'm still stuck in sin. I'm still stuck in unforgiveness. I'm still stuck in selfishness. And then we feel condemned. And sometimes people leave church because they can't look at one another and they can't even look at the preacher anymore or listen to the Word of God because the Word of God is just too heavy for them. But it was never our weight to carry. That's why Jesus, wrapped in love, carried it for us. And that's why it says, in Christ, we are new creations. Not in ourselves, in our own strength, in our own ability. It's in Christ. And so when we're in Jesus, He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. And so at this church, we believe in the Trinity, that we serve one God, Father. He is God the Father, one God. He is God the Son, one God, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But we serve one God. Similarly, we are created in His creation. Or sorry, we are created in His image. You're like, what created in His creation? That's kind of true, though. In His creation, He created us. 
We're creating his image. So we ourselves, we're one person. Okay, you're not schizophrenic in the name of Jesus. You're one person, but you have your body. Because some of us, when I say you are a new creation, right? You said it to one another. You're like, but I don't feel new. You know, I woke up. This started to hurt. That hurt, you know. You know, I don't like this. You know, this is getting kind of old. Like, can, can, can I be new here? Well, work out and eat right. Maybe you could. But that's a whole nother story. So we're three parts. We're body, our soul, which contains our thoughts and emotions, and our spirit. So when we become new creations, what God is saying is he makes our spirit new, our spirit alive. Our spirit was once dead to God where we wanted to rebel against God or run from God, but now our spirit is alive. We want to worship God and glorify God and pursue God. Amen? And it's through that same spirit that allows us to obey the word of God. And so in our next point, we see a new life results from his word and our faith. Because he's put a new spirit in us, we can obey his word. Verse 39, let's go back to this. Jesus said, take away the stone. So this is uh, indicative of God's word here, representative of God's word. Take away the stone, Jesus said. And then Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. So I love this. So it starts with first a command by Jesus, take away the stone. Then came an excuse or rebuttal on why that's not a good idea. But then Jesus said, do you believe, if you believe? And then came the action. See, many of us, when we talk about a new life, we're, we're too focused on the action. And we're like, why can't I change? Why am I still like this? Why do I lash out in anger so much? And we're too focused on the result. But we need to go back to the, before the result, it's the root. The root is an issue of belief. But the reason why we're not believing is because we don't sometimes even know what God says about certain things. And so this word of God, when Jesus said, take away the stone, the word represents the authority and the power of God, the supremacy. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who am I to say, but God? And so God says, remove the stone of lust in your life. And you're, they're like, but God. And sometimes it's a selfish excuse. But God, this, what I watch online it doesn't hurt anybody. My wife doesn't know or my husband doesn't know because women are just as addicted to pornography now more than um, just the same as men now research shows. So no one, it's not hurting anybody. And, and so Jesus says, take away the stone of lust. Roll it away. I want to give you a new life in this area. Some of us are, are, when Jesus says, take away the stone of unforgiveness. But God, this relationship, it's been dead. And you know, Martha said, it's, he's been dead for four days. Some of us, maybe we're like, but this relationship's been dead for four years. Four years, this person hasn't talked to me, hasn't apologized. And so it's dead. It's stinking. This relationship's long dead. But God, nonetheless, says forgive. Roll away that stone and forgive. And we're making up every excuse in the world. So it starts with a belief issue. And if we have a belief issue... It comes back to a hearing issue. We're not hearing the word of God. 
Because in Scripture, it breaks it down. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so that's why Jesus had to say it again. Take away the stone. And then they took away the stone. So what are some things in our lives that we know has been barriers that's been blocking us? Stones that have been rolled away and caused dead things to fester in our life that don't belong. Because the good news is God brought you here today. And just as God brought you here today, the power of God wants to set you free today. The power of God wants dead things to become alive again in your life. And so what you feel powerless over, Jesus has power and authority over. But are we exercising and choosing to believe his word in our life? So if Jesus says, stone of fear, move, what do we say back to him? But Jesus, you know, my parents always said, I'm always going to be afraid. My friend said, I'm always going to be afraid. The results in my life and my experience says, I'm always going to be afraid. The news says, I should be afraid. Everything says that. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says he has not given us a spirit of fear nor timidity, but of power and sound mind in the name of Jesus. So that's one truth, okay? So when, when, when a lie comes and tries to block our path, and we feel like I'm not living this new life that God said he's going to live, then it's not God's issue, it's an issue of belief. And if we don't know what to believe, then it's an issue of knowing his word more. So every lie, once you identify this is a lie, we need to then find what is the truth. What does God say about this? And then we have spiritual authority. Just as Jesus says, move the stone, we obey the word of God, and we act on the word of God, and we have to move the stone. Isn't it interesting? Jesus himself could have just moved the stone. But he tells them, tells Martha to move the stone. Because the, the, the miracle wasn't so much in just raising the dead man, although that would have been the, great, like the, the greatest miracle of the day. But the miracle that was really was happening was in Martha's heart and the people that are around. Because I don't think Martha could have done it by herself unless she was like that sister in Encanto that's super strong and just, you know, she might have been that sister. But, but she probably had people. So people around like, Martha, are you sure about this? That's Jesus. You better believe him. We're about to see the thriller video, you know, the original one. <laughs> Believing Jesus. When you believe Jesus, you get to see the miracle happen, and we get to see it in our lives. So this is a process, though, because sometimes we wonder why, why is it still so difficult? Because we don't maybe do it every day, and we're not consistent enough in this. Romans chapter 12 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. So this word transform or metamorphose, it is a process, right? Uh, for those of us who have the jar back in grade school with the, the caterpillar into the cocoon to the butterfly, it doesn't just happen in a split second, but we're patiently watching that stinking jar. Hurry up and transform, and we're poking at that jar for those of us who are impatient little kids. And some of us, were poking at our hearts. How come I'm still so angry? Hurry up and transform. Well, this is what God's word says. But let God transform you into a new person. Everyone say new person. Now look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, so some of us, we still struggle with this area of being able to trust God and see stones moved away from our lives and see graves opened in our hearts because of the way we think. Our actions, we're too focused on our actions. Oh, I did this again. I told, I told God I wasn't going to. Um, I, I made a commitment not to. It's the end of the year, right? Some of us, uh, we, we broke in every New Year's resolution we said we we're going to not do or do, and we don't do them anymore. We keep doing them, we, even though we said we we're going to stop. And we're down on the action, but we're not down on the way we think. And we let the, our thoughts, like, you're just a failure. You're always going to be a failure. And we let that process continue to just marinate in our minds. You know what happens is that it, because we're always thinking it, it actually influences our actions. That's what Scripture is saying. So if, if you have an anger issue and you keep telling yourself in your mind, man, you're just so angry. Why are you so angry? It's self-fulfilling prophecy. No wonder you keep lashing out at your loved ones. But if, it's, if, if, you're, if, if the Word of God then come, becomes a final authority, you keep dwelling on the Word of God. No, I am a new creation. God has given me a spirit of peace and righteousness. And then you allow that to begin to shape your thinking, then it's going to begin to shape your action. And so God's word now becomes the lens in which you see the world. Because oftentimes without God's word, it, it's other people's opinions. It's our history, our experiences growing up. That causes the way we think. All these grooves in our brains have been set in years and years of these false thinkings and lies. And that's why we have these actions, which are not blessings, but feel like curses. But God wants to even bless our brains. And you're like, what does that mean? Because, again, he's making all things new, right? One day when Jesus comes back, this is just like a little side note, our bodies would be brand new, praise God. Some of us are like, oh, come back today, because I don't like this, you know, this elbow pain, tennis elbow. Um, but he's also making, uh, even though our spirit is born again, our soul is being renewed. And that's, again, our emotions and our thinking. And so that's a process. And so even though it sounds like I'm getting into the physiological side of things, and aren't you supposed to just, as a pastor, the word, talk about spiritual things? Well, is God not the God of all creation? God created science. And so even science itself testifies to the power of God and the truth of God. And so when we talk about neurons and neurological pathways, they're not just big, fancy, scientific words, but it's the way God created us. And some of us, because of sin in our lives and other people done or things that we've done and things we've heard and learned over the years, have caused these false groups. And that's why we're stuck in these actions. But as we continue to trust in Jesus and his word, there is a new rewiring process that happens where things that used to be difficult to do, like overcome an addictive um, substance abuse, right? Like whatever it is, alcoholism or some kind of illicit drug, and it's like, I could never, like, you know, it's the, the com compulsion to, to go to this for relief or, or go to this for pleasure. 
it's so wired in our brains that we, it's second nature. But conversely, as we continue to listen to the Word of God, to trust the Word of God, to obey the Word of God, over a process, it begins to change our neurological pathways, praise God. So it's not just a spiritual transformation, it's also a physiological transformation. In other words, you know, once you're going down this one path and you've beaten, you know, when you walk on a path long enough, it once had grass, but now it's dirt. So that's like a, a, a groove that's now in our brain. But when you then allow the Word of God to be a light and lamp unto your feet, and you walk a new path, watch that old path that led to nothing but pain and curses now lead to God's presence and blessings. Amen? Grass is going to grow over that because dead things become alive, praise God, and he's going to put you on a new path, the path that leads to life. And that's through allowing and trusting in the Word of God. But what's interesting, as we're reading this passage, when we go back to the last verse of John chapter 11, this section that we read, it says that it was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone right? Jesus said, take away the stone. Then Lazarus came out. And when he came out, it says his hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with the cloth. Who did then Jesus speak to? Lazarus, take off that linen strip. Lazarus, break free and rip that cloth off your face. You know, and that would have been cool. Because you know who else had linen strips around them? The ultimate warrior. Remember? And he had like and he's like, oh, and Hulk Hogan, every time he come, he rip his, I am a real American. And he just ripped it. Take, Lazarus, take off your yellow tank top. Lazarus! You know, coming for you. It's like, man, this is amazing. No, he... <laughs> Sorry, too much coffee this morning. He tells them, it says, he said to them, take off his strips and unbind him. And some of us, we're still struggling. We don't know the Word of God because we're not only ignoring the Word of God, but we ignore the people of God. That's why I love this church. Because in this church, this church is not just a Sunday experience. But we meet throughout the week and we have small groups. And in the small groups, with one another, we get to discuss the Word of God and, and speak life to one another through, with the Word of God and then pray the Word of God over us. And some of us, we need others to help us unbind the linen strips that have caused our hands to be stuck. And we're not doing the right things. We're not acting out on the right things. Unbind the linen strips around our feet. We're not heading in the right direction. Unbind the cloth that's on our face. We're not thinking right. We're not seeing right. It's through the power of other people. And the beauty is that this is not a selfish religion. Christianity is never meant to be a religion. It's meant to be a relationship. And what God has done for us, we're called to do for others. And so through Christ, we can help others unwrap the miracle of new life. And so I, I want to do this. So we, we taught our leadership this and our serve team this recently. But as I was looking at this word, I was like, you know what? Every one of us should be living like this. Even for those of you who are newer in this church and you're just starting out in your faith. 
you too, as Christ has already done for you, and maybe you're still in that process of unwrapping some things in your life, you're still working out unforgiveness issues, that's fine. But you are probably further along than someone who has no knowledge of God or no spiritual rebirth. And so what is our assignment? How are we to come alongside and help others unwrap? Well, here are some practical things. First of all, make them feel safe. In this world right now, everybody is so quick to cancel one another. And people are just afraid to share things. So when people share things with us, we don't like, oh, sinner, you know? But make them feel safe. Listen, because sometimes we forget, like it might not be the exact thing, same things we used to think or do, but, but we used to think and do some really dark and hideous stuff as well. So make them feel safe. Start a conversation. So some of us, we're, I know, like we got introverts in here. I married one, right? And it's just like, no one talk to me, <laughs> you know? I'm just here to worship God. I'm just here to go to work, clock in and clock out. But start a conversation. Hey, how's everything going? How's your family? How's your family? You know, this day and age, especially um, as a pastor, I get more ministry calls now about people's marriages falling apart more than any other time in, in, since I began ministry. Um, I've been doing this for over 15 years. The pandemic has really rocked and challenged a lot of marriages. So how's your family? How's your life? You know, how are you enjoying work? As you uncover these questions, you're uncovering issues that maybe are binding them. And then ask them to tell their story. So that's more like, you know, it might not happen in that singular moment, but that's over a process. But, but man, that sounds like you've been through a lot of pain. Was it like that growing up too? You know, did you grow up in a family that was filled with divorce and strife or infidelity? See, this is, I'm giving you a counseling degree right now. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. They're, they go through a lot more training than that. But ask them to tell their story. But, but on the real though, that's why they, they, they get paid to listen. So, so you're doing it out of, the kindness of your heart to be able to see them get unbound, amen? You're just there to listen. Ask them to tell their story. Listen carefully with empathy. So obviously, if you don't have empathy, you're thinking, oh, when this guy showed up, I'm hungry. I want to get a pokeball already. <laughs> they can see it on your face. Uh, excuse me, you got somewhere else to be? Oh yeah, actually, I'm going to go grab lunch. <laughs> no, empathy. No, no, you got all, you got my attention. Keep going. Listen with empathy. Pray, with, pray for them in the moment. Okay, this is the one I really want to um, empower you all with. I want to charge you with this. Don't say, wow, I'm going to go pray for you tonight when I pray. No, can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now? That sounds like you're going through a lot. I believe that the God that I've placed my faith in hears prayers. Can I pray for you right now? Are you okay if I pray right now? And then, and I, not in the notes, but in Scripture, it says that there's healing with laying of hands, and we believe that in this church. And something about even just the human touch, you're not alone, right? The, there's the physiological side, and again, the spiritual side. So are you okay if I just put my hand on your shoulder as I pray? If they say, no, that's fine. You can still pray. Oh, fine. I'm not going to pray for you. You can still pray. But, but I just want to encourage that as well. There's some, when people are going through stuff, just that, that extra hand saying, I'm here with you, and pray. Pray for them. 
right now on the spot. And then verse 6, tell them about Jesus and share your story. So again, this may not happen right there in the moment, but through the, the continual follow-up and, and time spent together, you can tell them, you know, I've gone through something similar or maybe it might not be similar. I've gone through hurts as well or I've gone through betrayal. Not exactly like your situation, but it was this and dot, dot, dot. And tell your story. But God came into my life, and of course, you know, you don't say this because they don't, might not know Lazarus, but rolled away the stone from my grave and brought new life into me in Christ. So you'd share the gospel, basically, how Jesus changed your life. So this Christmas season, this month, and in our lives, there's going to be opportunities for this to happen. I know some of us, we're just like overwhelmed right now because we're thinking, I'm still trying to deal with coming out of my own grave, and that's okay. That's fine. If you're not ready to do this, that's okay. But I just wanted, I just sense that God is doing something great around us right now, and I don't want us to miss out on the opportunities to not just see the grave and the linen cloth unwrapped from our lives, but for us to see God use our lives to help others do the same. Amen? And so I close with this story about Jen and Mike Matias. Um, many of us recognize the, their name because they are very um, uh, big in our church in terms of leadership and what they do. Uh, Jen, she's actually the kids' church director over our entire church. So she helps and, and trains our directors here at kids' church, and uh, she's been doing it for many years. But their, their lives wasn't always what it, what it seems now. You know, like they have um, four kids and three of the four kids are married with, with other kids. And you, when you look at them, it's just like, wow, this is such a, a happy family. This is amazing. But they too had a resurrection moment where Jesus had to roll away the stone in their life. Uh, when they were graduating high school, already as a teenage couple, they went to a religious private school. And so, you know, religious is like, you better not get pregnant while going out with one another. She got pregnant with Mike's baby. And that um, school also gives out an award for the, the student that exemplifies the school's values and mission. And then as they were giving out that award at graduation, Jen being about six months pregnant, they announced her name. She's there. She's like, oh my gosh, is this a joke? She thought she was being pranked. Like they're going to, she's going to come out and she's going to put her on blast. Because that was, again, the thinking and the stone, this condemnation that was coming on her. But she, she received the award. But not only that, but now that she's pregnant, she's a teenager. She didn't know what to do. Uh, she actually had scholarships to go to school in the mainland. But all that changed because of her pregnancy. Same thing with Mike. He was um, ready to go into the medical field, but all that changed because now he's about to be a father. And that felt like, man, this stone, how are we going to get away from this? And uh, of course, they kept the baby. That's Mitch Matias. Many of us know him. He's also another leader in the church now. And there was a turning point in their life, though. They were someone, after finally being invited to church over and over and over again, responded to the word. And uh, one thing I want to add, though, Jen was telling me this, it's interesting, that before she responded to where she had a composition book, because her life was upside down, she was looking for truth. 
And instead of hearing the authority and the voice of Jesus and the Word of God, she made her own Bible where she'd find quotes, inspiration. And she started writing these things down because she was so lost. She was so afraid. She was so confused. She was in so much fear about what's to come, being a mom. And she made her own little spiritual book. But that wasn't really helping her. Mike, uh, he still loves to fish today, but he threw himself in fishing and bodybuilding. Pastor Norman, I think when he preached here about Mike um, a couple years ago, showed him in the purple Speedles and everything. He, he, he threw himself looking for joy and, and fulfillment in all these other pursuits. But God called them, and they finally answered. They came to church. Came to our church back in 2001. And uh, even at that time, talking about linens being unwrapped by others, that there's a, a woman named Lily Silva who's still with us today, and she's one of our leaders. Uh, she kept inviting Jen. They lived in the same area. And she'd knock on her door every day. Hey, will you come to group? No, I'm good. <laughs> Maybe not every day, but once a week. Will you come to group? No, I'm good. But then came Christmas time, and Jen was a teacher, and so she couldn't run anymore because, you know, she's on break. So she always said, I'm too busy, I have work, I have the kids. But finally, something compelled her to come. And at group that night, as women were sharing their story, and then Jen started to share her story, she started to all of a sudden cry. And Jen said it was like the ugly cry, which is telling me this. So, you know, just tears falling down because now she's experiencing the unbinding of what bound her so long by just sharing and processing her life. And as she was driving home from group, she was all upset at God and said, God, why'd you bring me here? And it's so embarrassing, I cried. But then God spoke to her and said, this is exactly what you needed. Keep going. And she, since then, she barely misses a week of group. And the amazing thing is the leader of that group is Frida Quilopo. And I, I believe we have the picture of um, Mike and Jen with Eddie and Frida. So Frida Quilopo is the, the leader of Lily Silva's group, Lily who kept knocking on her door. And and in the same time, uh, when, when Jen started to go to um, Frida's group, Eddie, her husband, leads another group. They He ran into Mike at a gas station and had a good talk with Mike. And that was the night that Mike decided to join Eddie's group. So God was doing something great in the family. And now um, she's been on our staff for years uh, as a kids' church director. And, but more than her responsibilities with just working with our kids' ministry, you can't keep her away from our teenage ministry, where she's always at the youth outreach center, always just serving and wanting to see other families transform. She said that it's not about, like, she, she has a huge heart for teenagers because that's when you know, her life was upside down and she was pregnant. So she has a huge heart for teenagers, but she realizes that as she reaches teenagers, she's, able, she's been able to minister to entire households and families. And so through God unbinding her life, she's seen numerous families as a result of her faith stepping out and allowing God to use her to unbind other people. Entire households get saved. Well, probably about an hour ago at the 7.30 service this morning, I am happy to announce, excited, that she is now Pastor Jen Matias. We ordained her as a pastor this morning. Praise God. So 
excited for her and just, you know, the, the fruit of what she's been doing already has been tremendous. The amount of changed lives and she's going to continue to do so at our church at the main campus. Another woman pastor, praise God. Come on. God is good. And that's the, the power of trusting in God's word, changing the way we think and then changing our actions. So as we close our eyes, let's respond to God's word right now. The first thing I want to do is pray for us. Some of us, we think that there's certain areas that are so locked up that the stone is so big, no one can roll it away. No one but God. But God can. His power, His authority. But more significantly, it's because of His love. Do you believe God loves you? And if you believe God loves you, do you believe His word? His word to be true. Not just to be a command, not just to be a weight upon your life, not just to dictate you, but because He loves you, He's saying this rock, this stone, this grave needs to go. This unforgiveness, it needs to go in the name of Jesus. This spirit of fear, it needs to go in the name of Jesus. This spirit of lust, infidelity, it needs to go in the name of Jesus. This spirit of saying, I am cursed, it needs to go in the name of Jesus. You are blessed. Dearly beloved, you are loved by God. He is a good God and He only has good for you. So God, we pray.